The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand, his end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying, He has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. So my name is Alan Bentrup, and I serve as Canon for Evangelism and Mission here in the Diocese of Upper South Carolina. What this means, I've been here before, and you've probably heard this, is that I get to travel around our diocese visiting congregations and talk to them about what it means to participate in God's work in the world and to share God's good news with our neighbors. It just so happens that this morning, instead of you know waking up at five o'clock to drive to Greenville, I got to sleep in, I got to take my dog for a run, and I got to leave my house not too long ago because I live like a mile that way. I live over on Lindbrook Drive, if y'all know the Forest Trace area, my boys go to Satchel Ford. So this is my neighborhood. So it's good to be with y'all. I actually was reminiscing with, with someone when I first came in that the last place I served before like the world shut down last March was here on a Wednesday night Eucharist. It was before a baseball game. I remember that because I have a great picture of, of me serving in that chapel over there and, and my son who was, I guess he was nine at the time. It's a long time ago. He's in his baseball uniform. He's my acolyte that night. And I snapped a picture in the middle of service because he's reading the Jesus Storybook Bible that was over there. And so that was, you know, sometime in March, some random Wednesday. And then by that following Sunday, we all know what had happened and in-person worship had been suspended and all of that. So I was just reminded of that when I was having that conversation this morning that the things aren't back to normal. Things probably won't ever go back to normal. But we're seeing hopes of what it's going to look like on the other side. We can remember those times before, the before times, and what it was like. And we're singing now. We're in person now. 
we're getting back to some sense of what this is going to look like going forward. So it's good to be with y'all today. And as I was thinking about this past year, it also reminded me that about a year ago, a little more than, my family bought a picnic table. Right? You remember like everyone was stuck at home and we're indoors and like everyone just starts buying everything. And this is before lumber got really expensive. We probably couldn't afford a picnic table today. But last spring, we couldn't go anywhere, so we decided we we're going to invest in our yard. So we bought this picnic table, and we set this picnic table in our front yard, and it's been there. If you've driven down Lindbrook, you've probably seen a picnic table, a giant, it's really big, picnic table in the front yard. We've had school out there. My boys have done class out there. We've had dinners with friends. We've had food trucks come and set up on that picnic table. It's become a bike repair stand for the neighborhood, that picnic table. It's been a dugout for our cul-de-sac baseball games. It's even been an altar for a Eucharist in my neighborhood. Now the trick is if I took you inside to my house to my kitchen table, that's a different story. You would see that that kitchen table is a pantry slash laundry folding station slash the place where we put the dirty kitchen towels slash somewhere you're never going to want to eat. So we don't ever eat at our kitchen table. I don't know what that says about me as a parent, but we don't eat at that kitchen table. That picnic table has become our family table. That's where we gather for meals. And as I was thinking about that, the, the idea of family, right? What does it mean to be a family gathered around a table? Jesus has something to say about that in the gospel today, what it means to be the family of God. All of our scriptures, the whole of the Bible has a lot to say. The very foundation of the Bible, right? You go back to Genesis, before you have kings, right? We hear Samuel start to talk about what it's going to be like for kings to show up. Before you had prophets like Samuel, before you had any of that, the structure in the Bible is the family, the kinsmen, the community. And we get big families in the Bible, right? Generations of them. We get real families. Families that love each other deeply, but also... If you read the Bible, we've got some pretty messed up families. Right? You got families that one of the first stories of family is where a brother kills a brother. While that hasn't happened with my kids yet, it's come really close. But we see from the get-go, family comes with its own dysfunction. And sure, there are other great metaphors in Scripture to talk about our relationship with one another and our relationship with God. Right? There's king and servants. There's master and servants. There's teacher and students. There's all these great metaphors, but it all really comes back down to, it all really boils down to family. We are the children of God, and we are the siblings with all those around us. It all comes back to family. And so coming to God coming to God's table, coming to God's community of fellowship is, is really like 
coming back home. It's really like coming to the family. And so we pick up in our gospel in Mark chapter 3, and Jesus' family shows up, right? We don't get a lot of stories of Jesus' family once he's grown and, and left the house. We don't have a lot of Jesus' family showing up in the adult years. But here in Mark chapter 3, the family is, is either frustrated with them or worried about them. Whatever it is, they seem a little bit freaked out because they hear that Jesus is drawing a crowd. They hear that people are clamoring to know what Jesus has to say. They hear that people are lining up for Jesus to heal them. They hear the stories that everyone's hearing about Jesus. And they hear that some people think he's crazy, right? He's out of his mind, I think, as our scripture put him, put it. Or even worse, he's possessed. Like he's Beelzebub. He's got a demon. And so either out of concern or curiosity or fear, Jesus' family shows up because they're worried about what's become of Jesus. And that reminds me of a conversation I had with someone a couple weeks after we got that picnic table. You see, my family and I have made it a habit to invite others to this picnic table, whether it be friends we invite to come celebrate the Eucharist or have a meal, or whether it be the neighborhood that we invite when we have a food truck, or if it's the couple that's walking their dog and we haven't met them yet we use this table as a place of invitation to say hey I'm Alan my wife will say hey I'm Elizabeth how are you can we get to know you and not all the time but sometimes that turns into a conversation where we sit at that table and rest for a little bit and get to know each other so after this had been happening for a couple weeks some strangers came up and we there was no prompting on our part they walked into our yard they saw us out there and they were like i've been wanting to meet you you know when someone goes out of their way to come find me i usually get worried because in my experience that's not always a good thing it means i've done something to upset someone but they wanted to, to meet us because they had heard about this table and so when they walked up they said y'all are the table people I guess so. Because apparently word had gotten around on our neighborhood Facebook page, and if, if you have a neighborhood Facebook page, you know how word can get around. Or maybe it's your neighborhood next door page. Word can get around. But word had gotten around about these people who left this picnic table in their front yard. They didn't bother to take it around the backyard, I guess like re regular people do. But we left it in the front, and we invited people to come join us. And so they had heard the stories about us. And frankly, I had a conversation this, mo this morning with someone who's building some things out of wood. It probably costs a little bit more now because lumber skyrocketed in the last 16 months. But in the course of this conversation, she mentioned, you know, I'm one of the crazy ones. She's building victory gardens, which she's going to invite family and, and friends and 
whoever to help tend these gardens. And the food will then go to harvest hope. Right? It's not normal to open up your gardens at your home and just say, come help me. We're going to do this for the community. That happens a lot in businesses and churches and public places. But it's not typical to necessarily do that in your own yard. So don't be surprised when someone comes up to you and says, I want to meet you. You must be the garden lady. There you go. But it seems that when you do something that sticks out, when you do something that gets people talking, word has a way of getting around. And word had gotten around about Jesus. But like I said, like when word gets around about me, it usually means I've screwed up or someone's upset with me and I get frustrated and I don't like the attention. But Jesus' approach was different. Because Jesus didn't seem to mind that folks were looking for him. All throughout the Gospels, when crowds gather around Jesus, he doesn't seem to get flustered. He invites it. And he figures out how he can engage with that crowd. And even here, when his family shows up, and when mom shows up and she's worried, maybe the son should get worried too. But Jesus doesn't do that in this situation. I think maybe that's because Jesus knows what he's doing. Even more so, I think it's maybe because Jesus knows what's going to end up happening. So what does Jesus do when folks start talking, when folks start to think he's possessed, when folks do a welfare check on Jesus? He doesn't stop what he's doing. He doesn't tone it down. He doesn't try to become more proper or more normal or more whatever. He blows the doors off even more. He opens up this invitation even more broadly. He invites folks to come in to his family. And even more than just inviting, he goes out of his way to seek out those people that you and I probably try to avoid more often than we care to admit. Jesus goes out of his way to seek them out and bring them in to his family. And so this causes folks to get worried. So Mary and James, Jesus' mom and brothers, show up. His disciples come in and says, Jesus, what are you doing? You're worrying people. Your mother and your brothers are here. And this is where Jesus' response goes beyond what we think it probably should have been. Because Jesus doesn't ask how his family's doing. He doesn't address his mother and his brothers. He asks, who is my family? Who is Jesus' family? Those who do the will of God, Jesus says, That invitation is wide open. Throughout this gospel, if you read this gospel passage, when they talk about Jesus' earthly family, they say his mother and his brothers. That's specific people. And in Jesus' response, when he says, who is my family? Anyone who does the will of God, 
Jesus breaks that open as well. It's no longer limited to his mother and his brothers. Jesus adds in his sisters. Whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my family. Because Jesus always takes his invitation to family one step further than what folks expect. And Jesus invites us to take his invitation to God's family one step further than we expect. As we pursue the will of God, as we participate in God's mission in our communities, when we share God's good news with those around us, we are inviting people to join us in God's family. Or perhaps more accurately, we're inviting people to realize they are already members of God's family. Because God's love is endless. God's love is boundless. God's love encompasses our brothers, our sisters, our mothers. God's love encompasses all of us. Because Jesus' family is an open family. Jesus' invitation is an open invitation. And sure, that means with an open invitation, we're going to bring our dysfunction. We've all been part of a church. We know how much, not St. Michael, we know how much other churches can bring dysfunction. Or maybe it's just the churches I grew up in. We know we all bring our dysfunction. We know that it's not all sunshine and roses. But what do we gain by being part of God's family? We gain siblings to walk with us in those hard times. We gain unconditional love from God. We gain unconditional love from our community. We gain opportunities to participate in what God is doing in the world. We gain acceptance, freedom, and forgiveness. That's what it means to belong to God's family. That's what it means for us to realize that we are God's sons and daughters. And we get to share that with the world. We get to remind the world, everyone we meet, everyone we encounter, we get to remind them, you are God's son, you are God's daughter, you are God's child, and we're all siblings. And when you do that, sometimes the world's going to think you're a little weird. Sometimes the world is going to question why you do that. And that's okay. Because family even loves the weird ones. Amen.